Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Social Media on the Mind. I'm your host, Leanna Krisht, and if you have even the slightest interest in how social media may play a role in your life, you should stick around for the rest of this episode. In case you're wondering who I am, I'm a 25-year-old graduate student in my second year of study to become a counseling psychologist. Today, I want to share my first research project with you all, which examined the interplay between social media, depression, and romantic relationship satisfaction. Like many others, I spend countless hours on social media every day, and I'm intrigued by the ways it might be affecting my mood or my relationships, so that's really why I chose to study this topic. As part of my project, I reviewed some of the existing research about the effects of social media and some of the factors that may be making certain people more or less affected by social media use. As I go through some of these studies in a moment, feel free to do some self-reflecting and see if you feel that any of these results of these studies relate to you. It's no secret that human beings are a naturally social species, so social media's capability to help facilitate human connection has undoubtedly led to its appeal and spread. Social media allows us to present our thoughts, experiences, and idealized personas with others. And because of its ability to reach people all around the world, it plays a key role in business, entertainment, politics, and daily life in general. Some currently popular social media platforms that you're probably aware of are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. And some of the platforms that have been discontinued are MySpace, Vine, and Yik Yak. Researchers have found that people between ages 18 and 29 use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest more than any other age group. And women use all of these platforms, except for LinkedIn, more than men. So why do people use social media so much? The most frequent answer is social interaction, since it allows people to meet others with their similar interests or feel a sense of companionship. People also claim to use social media as a way to seek out information or educate themselves about things like products, businesses, events, or birthdays. I know for me, I always go straight to Facebook when I need to remember a friend's birthday. People also use social media as inspiration for art, fashion, or nutrition. There's also plenty of people who use social media platforms for entertainment purposes, such as playing games, listening to music, watching videos, or reading comments. Lastly, people can use social media as a way to express their thoughts or opinions with or without anonymity, which allows a channel for us to vent through. So those were a lot of diverse explanations for why people claim to use social media, and honestly, I can probably think of several other reasons why I use social media on a day-to-day basis that weren't on that list. So now that we have all of these valid reasons for why we use social media so much, let's dive into some of the positive effects that result from using social media. I feel like I always hear people talking about the negative effects of social media, but some studies have found that there are several positive effects of it. People involved in a social network have more access to information, better social support, and more resources, like skills and knowledge from others in their network, and this can ultimately lead to benefits like trust and reciprocity within the social network. For example, one study conducted by Gilmore et al. found that Facebook-based social support had a positive effect on physical health because it provided companionship support for people with intentions to work out. Also, graduate students who were part of a writing group on a social media network experienced greater accountability, including motivation and support, and greater productivity overall. Routine social media use is also associated with higher social well-being, appraisal of people's functioning in society, and self-reported health. 
Especially in adolescence, social media helps in promoting mental health, which includes supporting and educating others by spreading awareness and removing the stigma around mental health. Of course, along with the positives that social media brings, there are some negatives. Several studies have found that social media has a negative effect on sleep. So, younger people who have increased rates of social media use end up sleeping at a later time on average and have greater variability in sleep timing and sleep duration. People who use more social media also have greater problematic sleep, which means they have more disruptions in their sleeping patterns. Studies have also found that an increase in social media use results in a decrease in job performance because people's time, energy, and emotional resources become occupied by social media. There is also a privacy issue associated with social media since disclosure of any personal information shared on a social media platform is open to the public. Cyberbullying is also common through social media, and as new types of technology continue to arise, new types of cyberbullying accompany them. Studies have also found that social media use is associated with greater anxiety symptoms and an increased likelihood of having an anxiety disorder in comparison with individuals who use social media less. And this has been speculated to occur because social media may make people more aware of stressful events that are occurring in other people's lives, or because people feel pressured to stay updated on all social media platforms. Another negative effect associated with social media use is that self-photo modifications on social media platforms have been found to contribute to disordered eating in women because it increases the likelihood of ruminating about their eating and body shape and it eventually causes them to become preoccupied with the discrepancy between their current image and their ideal image. People may also develop an addiction to social media, so they may use social media to decrease negative feelings or progressively use social media more and more to receive the same amount of pleasure from it. People may even feel discomfort when forbidden from using social media or sacrifice commitments in order to engage in social media use. Internet addiction has not yet been defined as a disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the handbook that clinicians and psychiatrists use to diagnose mental health disorders. But studies have increasingly shown that many individuals addicted to the internet are facing significant risks that require professional treatment. So, to summarize what we've just discussed, it's clear that social media is good in some cases for some people, but can also cause some negative effects for others. Some of the positive effects of social media include a better support system, access to more resources and information, and an increase in promoting mental health. And some of the negative effects we discussed include worse sleep quality, decrease in job performance, and an increase in cyberbullying and symptoms of anxiety. So we've briefly discussed some of the positive and negative effects of social media, and now let's discuss the relationship between depression and social media specifically. Studies have already found that in adolescence, social media is positively correlated with depressive symptoms, but a few individual characteristics including gender differences, temperament, and socioeconomic factors can affect whether this correlation is present. In adults, frequent social media users are also more likely to experience envy, jealousy, loneliness, anger, and depression. Something important to consider here is the social comparison theory, which is the belief that individuals evaluate their own opinions and abilities by comparing themselves to others in hope of removing uncertainty and defining themselves.
This helps explain why researchers have found that social media users tend to develop idealized representations of others and feel a sense of jealousy because they assume others are happier or more successful based on how they portray themselves on social media. I can think of several scenarios where I've been studying in my room and I open social media and see people out having dinner and laughing and I automatically assume that they're probably happier than me. It's easy to fall into this comparison trap, and researchers have found that individuals who evaluate others based on their social information are more likely to have depressive symptoms. So the more time people spend on social media, the more opportunities they have to compare their social lives with the lives of others and experience negative emotions. Social comparison can be extremely harmful for well-being and self-evaluations because on social media, people construct personas that portray their most ideal rather than realistic traits, ones which cause social media viewers to compare their realistic offline selves to others' idealized online selves. Something that is related to this social comparison theory is self-esteem or a person's positive or negative evaluation of the self. Low levels of self-esteem can also lead to depression, and studies have found that an increase in social media use is associated with lower self-esteem. This may happen when people don't receive ideal feedback from others. So, it's clear that there are several ways that social media can have some depressive effects on people. Now, let's shift gears to the other main focus of my project, which was to examine the relationship between social media and romantic relationship satisfaction. Social media facilitates communication, so romantic partners are more likely to be in constant conversation with one another, regardless of where they are. Although being in constant communication can be positive, since communication brings people closer together, it may lead to issues also, such as partners remaining in contact with their ex-partners, which can lead to jealousy or infidelity. The opportunities for communication that social media provides can also affect relationships once they have ended. So prior to social media, when romantic partners ended their relationship, it was relatively unlikely that they would see or hear about each other again. But social media now allows people to continue to view their ex-partner's activities and personal information. The simple action of seeing an ex-partner's life updates may be enough to keep people connected, which allows romantic relationships to be largely impacted by social media. Another reason romantic relationships are affected by social media networks is because people have the option to search and monitor their partners by looking through their social media accounts, including their likes, comments, or direct messages, in the same way that people search through their partner's bags to monitor them. So, we've discussed some of the negative effects of social media, but why are only certain people experiencing these negative effects? This is where protective factors play a role. Protective factors are individual or environmental characteristics, conditions, or behaviors that reduce the negative effects of something. It has been found that mindfulness or the ability to pay attention and become aware of what is going on in the present moment without judgment may serve to protect against potentially addictive behaviors, including compulsive internet usage. This is because mindfulness allows social media users to experience fewer negative thoughts that lead to higher self-esteem and has also been found to lower social anxiety. High self-esteem is also considered a protective factor against the negative effects of social media because these individuals experience less jealousy when scrolling through social media platforms. Some personality traits have been found to serve as protective factors as well. 
college students who identified as introverts were more likely to escape real-life issues by going online and develop depressive symptoms in comparison to extroverted students. So, extroversion may be a protective factor against the depressive symptoms associated with social media use. One study suggests that introverts may use social media more problematically because they engage in fewer social activities and are lonelier. It is also possible that introverts use social media differently than extroverts do. For example, introverts may use it more passively, such as by just scrolling and observing content, whereas extroverts may use it more actively by posting or liking and commenting on other people's posts. Also, people with high goal-drive persistence, which is also known as high conscientiousness, and it includes traits like goal planning and organization, these people have been found to maintain their psychological well-being better when comparing themselves to others on social media. This might be because highly conscientious individuals find motivation for self-improvement in social comparison. People high in neuroticism are people who tend to worry, they act impulsively, and they get angry quickly. And some studies have found that these people may be more likely to experience the negative effects from social comparison. So, lower levels of neuroticism may be considered a protective factor as well. Lastly, people rated high in openness to experience were the most frequent social media users with higher levels of well-being, so this may be a protective factor as well. So, to recap, protective factors that buffer the negative effects of social media include practicing mindfulness, having high self-esteem, being extroverted, having high conscientiousness, and having lower levels of neuroticism. Okay, so that was a lot of background information on social media use, its effects, and the potential characteristics that protect against its negative effects. All of this research has been so important since social media is increasing and prevalent almost everywhere. But, of course, there is still quite a bit of research left to be done in this area, since social media is constantly evolving. There hasn't been much research looking at the interplay between social media, depressive symptoms, and romantic relationship satisfaction, so that was the goal of my project. To begin my study, I recruited all 81 people who participated in my study through Facebook, and they were required to be at least 18 years old and in a romantic relationship. They all completed an online survey that asked questions about their demographics, their social media usage, their depressive symptoms, and how satisfied they feel in their relationships. So let's talk a little about the demographics of these 81 participants, which can help clarify the results. The mean age of participants was 38, and 86% of these participants were female and white or European American. Also, about 84% of the participants had at least a bachelor's degree, and 63% of participants had a yearly income greater than $100,000. It's also important to note that 72% of participants said that they had experienced a traumatic event that had a significant negative effect on their life. Okay, so to recap, the majority of participants in my study were white or European American, female, with at least a bachelor's degree, and a yearly income greater than $100,000. These are all important factors that likely contributed to the results of the study, which we will discuss further at the end of this podcast, but for now, let's get into what I found. My first analysis looked at the relationship between depression and romantic relationship satisfaction and found that depression was not a significant predictor of romantic relationship satisfaction. So, in other words, an increase or decrease in depression symptoms did not affect the romantic relationship satisfaction of the sample in this study. 
Then, we flip-flopped these to see if romantic relationship satisfaction was a significant predictor of depression, and it was, in the sense that higher romantic relationship satisfaction was a predictor of lower depressive symptoms. Next, we added social media into the analysis, and we wanted to know if social media and romantic relationship satisfaction together had an effect on depression. So, as a reminder, we found that an increase in romantic relationship satisfaction predicted a decrease in depressive symptoms, but when we added social media usage to this relationship, the effect that romantic relationship satisfaction had on depressive symptoms lessened. So, to illustrate, we have two women named Ashley and Amber who both report that they are highly satisfied in their relationship. Based on this information alone, we can predict that they will also have lower depressive symptoms than others who report being unsatisfied in their relationship. But if Ashley uses social media very frequently and Amber does not, then the contribution that Ashley's high romantic relationship satisfaction plays on her depressive symptoms will be lowered, in turn making her more likely to experience more depressive symptoms than Amber. So, social media sort of suppresses the effect that higher romantic relationship satisfaction has on lowering depressive symptoms. After subsequent analyses, I also found that there was not a relationship between social media and depression directly, so increasing or decreasing social media usage did not affect depressive symptoms in the participants of this study. So, as a little recap, we found that higher romantic relationship satisfaction leads to lower depressive symptoms, but social media complicates this relationship by lowering the positive impact that high relationship satisfaction has on depressive symptoms. The fact that higher romantic relationship satisfaction predicts lower depression makes sense to me, because it seems that being satisfied in your romantic life can serve as a protective factor towards things that may happen and cause depressive symptoms. Now, the results showed that when social media is added into the analysis, it's basically as if your romantic relationship satisfaction doesn't protect you as much from depressive symptoms. So, social media has played somewhat of a negative role in this study. Now, what is important to look at is whether we can take the sample that was used in the study and generalize these results to the population in general. Or, in other words, do the results of this study properly represent the rest of the population? So there were 81 participants in the study, which is sufficient for this study since it was an online survey, but we also need to consider the demographics. The majority of the people in the study were white women with at least a bachelor's degree and an income greater than $100,000. This is definitely a limitation of the study being representative of the population since the majority of the population does not have a bachelor's degree and does not have a yearly income of at least $100,000. This is something that may have affected the results of this study, because it seems that the sample of people taking this survey have a stable employment and income, which is not the case for many people, especially during the pandemic. This leads to another point. This study was conducted in the middle of a global pandemic, so that needs to be considered when looking at the results. Maybe if this survey was conducted before the pandemic, the results would be different. Because of these results, we should undoubtedly continue to explore the relationship between social media, depression, and romantic relationship satisfaction, and maybe try to expand the study to contain a more diverse population. Now let's consider some reasons why we may have found that social media has an effect on romantic relationship satisfaction and depression. 
One possibility is that we spend too much time on our screens and not enough time interacting with our partners, and this may eventually lead one or both partners to feeling neglected and unsatisfied. Social media may also cause people to compare their relationships with other couples on social media and assume that other people have it better. So let's say you're in a fight with your partner and you scroll through social media and see another couple laughing together. You may automatically assume that the other couple is happier than you and this may leave you feeling unsatisfied. Even though, realistically, the happy couple in the photo may just be posing since people do often tend to show their good side on social media. Social media can also lead to jealousy in relationships because seeing your partner interacting with other people through social media, such as by liking or commenting on their posts or direct messaging them, may lead you to think that they're up to something when they may just be acting friendly. Similarly, researchers have found that couples who use social media more often are more likely to engage in digital dating abuse, and this may look like tracking your partner's location, hacking into their account to monitor what they're doing, controlling who they can or can't be friends with on social media, or even putting your significant other down in a social media post. Unfortunately, a lot of these actions are common in today's culture, so many people don't view these behaviors as harmful and don't understand how they can negatively impact mental health. Because of this, people exhibiting digital dating abuse may view their romantic relationship as satisfactory without knowing that this is an issue and is threatening their freedom. Especially because some of these behaviors may seem flattering on the surface, particularly for people who have attachment insecurities. This would be another important area for researchers to continue to explore. So why exactly is this study important? Well, one of the findings did show that social media may lower the protective effect that romantic relationship satisfaction has on depression. So, in clinical settings, this may be something for clinicians to consider. Maybe clients who are feeling depressed, despite having satisfied relationships, need to reduce their use of social media a bit. It may be unrealistic to tell people to remove social media from their lives, but maybe becoming more conscious about how often they use it can be helpful. Aside from clinical settings, we may be using social media in harmful ways in our day-to-day lives without knowing it. For example, when talking to others, we may get a notification from social media and check our phone while someone is talking to us without even noticing. This may make the speaker feel unimportant and ignored and ultimately cause us to grow less present in our relationships. We've already touched on this a little, but comparing ourselves to others through social media can be very harmful because it may cause us to try to meet unrealistic expectations, and this will ultimately lower our self-esteem. One specific comparison example that comes to mind is something I've noticed on Instagram. When some women comment on other women's photos about their weight loss and say things like, you look so good and skinny, this automatically makes other people viewing the comment assume that being skinny is a beauty goal. We should always keep in mind that no matter how much it seems like it, social media is not reality. The fact of the matter is that social media is such a huge part of most people's lives, so it is inevitably going to affect us in good and bad ways. Research can help us identify how to continue engaging in social media in beneficial ways and change the harmful ways we interact with social media. There's a lot more work to be done in this area since new social media platforms seem to be popping up daily and it's something I am super interested in, so I hope to create another podcast about the effects of social media. Thank you all so much for listening, and hopefully you can connect with more of my work soon. Have a great day, and remember to be kind to others always.